two scriptures, both from the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. And, I don't know if it's by coincidence, but 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. So either 1 or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. And I'm going to speak using in these verses the old King James Bible. Because it uses a word there that you probably haven't used, heard used for a long time, and for some of us, ever. It says in both 1 Timothy 1.5, 2 Timothy 1.5, in the King James Version, it says unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith. When's the last time you used the word unfeigned? Have you ever used the word unfeigned? Well, what does this word unfeigned mean? Because it describes what our faith must be. We're praying for a move of the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith is being imparted. The gift of faith is rising There is coming within the people of God a strong confidence that Jesus is risen from the dead. He is ascended and that all things are possible. Amen. He has defeated the enemy in totality. And there is coming this confidence in the people of God that that is so. And faith is starting to register in our hearts more than ever that that is so. And there's a boldness and there's a a dynamic that comes with that. And faith can be very, very bold at times. But King James Bible in these verses uses the word unfeigned. So you probably have different versions in front of you and you might see different words there. But let me tell you what the word unfeigned means. It means to be without a disguise. It means to be sincere. It means to be without hypocrisy. It means to be genuine, not alloyed, not mixed in with something else. It means your faith is to be heartfelt. It's to be guileless. It is to be without pretense. This word, unfeigned, is equal to the word not unhypocritical, without hypocrisy. Every time if you watch a movie, you're not watching actors, you're watching hypocrites. Because that's what the word hypocrite means. It's playing a part that's really not you. You're pretending to be someone else. And when you see an actor, the Greek word is hypocrite is because they're pretending to be what they really aren't. And to be unfeigned means to be without hypocrisy. It means you're not acting. You're not wearing a mask. You're not merely reading a script. If you feign something, you are faking it. And apparently Paul the Apostle thinks that faith is often faked in the people of God. Pretending things. 
The Greek word that is used here is also used in the New Testament to describe love. The Greek word you can find it in 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. You can find it in 1 Peter 1.22 where love is to be unfeigned or love is to be without hypocrisy. In James 3.17, wisdom is to be unfeigned without hypocrisy as well. For many years, I taught extensively on the subject of faith when we lived back in Canada. And the reason that I did is because there was an awful lot of distorted teaching on the subject of faith that actually led people astray. People pretending they have faith when in fact they were faking it. And they were faking it because they were trying to take the teaching that they were taught and make it work. But it actually didn't work. But we can't say it didn't work. We're having faith and actually deceiving ourselves. Faith can be faked. And we don't want that. A lot of this distorted teaching about faith kind of leaves the impression that faith is like a force. Faith is like a law. It has, in a subtle way, become deified so that people's faith is no longer in God. Their faith is in their ability to have faith. Follow what I'm saying? You're trying to convince yourself that you can believe something, and if you can just believe it, you'll get it, and you don't realize it, but you're placing your confidence in your ability to have faith instead of placing your confidence in God. The teaching has left this impression that faith is something that you can do. It's having faith in your ability to have faith is not faith in God. And has led many, many people astray. And it has led people into great shipwrecking of their lives when they make the discovery it just doesn't work the way they've been taught that it should work. The reason I want to speak on such things is because I am praying for and believing for asking God for the gift of faith to become very manifest in the congregation here. That us to have a rock solid conviction that doesn't blink when a trial comes our way or we're not going to you know, feel as if we need to draw back from anything, not be afraid of our future, I want to see the congregation have a robust, strong, steadfast faith that knows that it knows that it knows that it knows that God has spoken and therefore we are fearless concerning our future. So I'm praying for and I, and I believe that is the heart and the mind of the Lord. But I am also aware that generally speaking out there, there's a lot of thoughts and teaching on the subject of faith that is not completely accurate and somewhat is distorted. And I don't want any of us making that mistake. I want our faith to be unfeigned. Real faith. Faith. Instead of faith being a divine enablement that can relate God and his kingdom to the believer, this teaching ends up having faith as a law or an energy that you can actually force God to obey your commands. 
That's out there. Very much out there. It ends up, we end up talking about our faith that we can exercise to have anything our hearts desire and we don't hear much about the faith that comes from God as a relationship, as a result of our relationship with Him. The problem with this is that a lot of people, no, nobody can make it work and we end up faking faith. When the results don't materialize that we are told they should, we start playing all sorts of interesting games. We have to rationalize why the results have not happened when we've named and we've claimed and when we've spoken and when we've commanded and when we've bound and when we've done all sorts of things. And We have to create reasons why it didn't happen. And so we play healing games. What do I mean by that? Well, let me write a book. It's called How to Keep Your Healing. My goodness. If you're healed, you're healed. If you're healed, you're healed. I don't need to write a book about how to keep your healing as if by your effort you got healed and somehow by effort you're going to stay healed. If God does it, God does it. It's obvious that God does it. So we write a book, How to Keep Your Healing. Or we write another book, How to Grow Your Faith. Or we might write another book called Plant a Seed of Faith, and then we take up an offering after that. Or we say to people, you don't have enough faith. Or we might even say, you have sin in your life. The result is absolute devastation for people to hear any of that stuff. What am I doing wrong? That I can't have this miracle or it's not happening. And it's very, very devastating for people. We want faith, but we don't want to fake it. And the people who write these books have made themselves rich at your expense trying to find out how to keep your healing and all that kind of stuff. And they become very rich making these kinds of things and say, look, I'm prosperous. And that's the reason they're prosperous, because you pay them to be prosperous. You know, and I, it's, I mean, I, I've dealt with this for decades with people. And I, I have a, a strong, if you haven't noticed, a strong opinion because I'm tired of seeing people hurt who are genuinely trying to seek God, but they've been fed something that's a little bit distorted, and it's ruined them. We've got to organize this better. Let me review quickly what was shared last Sunday night about faith being a divine partnership. And I'll just say it quickly again, because if you want to hear it, just go to SoundCloud and listen to it for last week. But faith is a divine partnership. God has to speak. God has to initiate. If God does not initiate, if God does not speak, you can do whatever you want, you will never create faith. If we act on doing something without God first giving the witness of the Holy Spirit, without first hearing the voice of God speak to you, if you act without hearing God, you are in presumption. And what that means is you will pay the bills for whatever you initiate because God's not obligated to pay the bills for something he doesn't initiate. Follow what I'm saying? So make sure it's God. Make sure you hear the voice of God. Acting without hearing God speak is called presumption. 
But there are three possible responses that you and I can give when God speaks. Let's assume we have heard the Holy Spirit speak. We have heard the voice of the Lord. God has spoken to us. We could respond with unbelief. Unbelief is the choice not to hear what God has said. Because often when God speaks to you, He will speak outside the boundaries of your experience. He will speak outside the boundaries of your tradition. And we saw last week that there are two things that really are unbelief, can really give birth to unbelief. One is having a hard heart. Hebrews 3.12, be careful that you don't have unbelief out of a hard heart. That we're not teachable, we're not pliable. And the other thing that really causes unbelief is tradition. We simply go back to what we've been taught rather than hearing the fresh word of the Lord. The great example of that is even someone as great as Peter in Acts chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit gives him the instructions to go to the house of Cornelius three times he said to God, No. Excuse me, Peter? Who's who's given the commands here? He says, No, because in our church we don't do it that way. We don't visit Gentiles. Can you imagine? In our church, we don't lift our hands. In our church, we don't shiggy it off. In our church, we don't... It doesn't matter what the Holy Spirit is saying, we don't do that. And that's called unbelief. It's saying, it's responding to the Lord, arguing with what God has said, because it doesn't fit the world in which we grew up. And it creates an unbelief. It's a choice not to believe. A second choice that we can make is to doubt. Doubt is not the absence of believing, it's just a poor handling of it. It means after God speaks, you do entertain other opinions. You allow yourself to rationalize. You look at your circumstances. We're supposed to take the city of Jericho. Lord, have you ever seen how high those walls are? You know, And we begin to throw second opinions in. And we can't walk in great faith when we're entertaining second opinions because the Bible says very clearly in James 1, you know, that if we're wavering between what God has said and what we see, let let that no man think you'll receive anything from the Lord. Peter gets out of the boat because Jesus said, come. Then he looked at the wind and the waves and he sinks. And Jesus, instead of saying, good try, Peter, he said, come on, Peter. Why did you doubt Doubt is the poor handling of our response to God because we entertain second opinions. The response we're supposed to give is, Yes, Lord, I trust and I obey. That's called believing. We harmonize ourselves with what God has said and we bring our life into conformity to what God has said. But it requires God speaking plus my proper response. And then when those two work together, then great faith is released. And all things are possible and anything can happen when those two work together. God's not going to do it on his own, and we're certainly not going to do it on our own. He chooses to express great faith through vessels who agree with him after he's spoken. And that's the proper way of looking at this. But many people will never admit to a lack of faith, so they fake it. You know, I've traveled enough over the years and been to enough conferences and have attended enough church services in my lifetime to see everything happen. 
And you know, if you ever go into a service and you see this in Africa, and you see this all over the place, where, you know, it's supposed to be a Pentecostal type of church and the preacher comes up, well, who's got a testimony? You know, and in other words, I really haven't prepared anything to say and I need to kill time, so who has a testimony? I'm not prepared. I don't have a word from the Lord. I've got to fake it. And how many times we see people faking it, you know, when the fact is they just haven't got a word from the Lord. And they haven't spent the time before the Lord. They haven't been on their knees. They haven't been in their study. And they expect the Spirit of God just to supernaturally take them when they come into a service. And when they do preach, they've got nothing to say. There's no content. There's nothing there. You know, so we, we fake it. We pretend to have authority by raising our voice. If I can just raise my voice, then I must be a man of God. And I've got authority. Or, let me tell you some great experience I had in the past. And boy, you should really, ooh, look at that man, a real man of God. We pretend to have faith even when there's no results. And we're trying to justify why there are no results. We want to appear to have faith, but we dare not fake it. Why? Because we live by faith. We are to be kept by faith. We're justified by faith. We have access to all of God's graces by faith. And believe you me, we don't want to fake this thing called faith at all. Do we? Because this is how we have access into the presence of God. So you're going to say, do people really pretend to have faith? Am I, am I being too harsh when I say that? Do people really fake it? Maybe they don't even know they're faking it. They're trying, they're trying to believe whatever. They don't know. Do people really fake it? And the answer is yes, they do. Old Testament Israel faked it all the time. Do you know that? Old Testament Israel faked their faith all the time. It's interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 20, listen to this. God says about Israel that they are a rebellious bunch of children in whom is no faith. Now wait a second. They crossed the Red Sea, saw the plagues of Egypt, had manna in the wilderness, their clothes never wore out, there wasn't a sick one among them when they left Egypt, Conquered enemies. And then God has to say through the prophet Moses, I can't find faith in them. How do you reconcile that? Because, boy, if they had manna every day in the wilderness, they must have had great faith. No, they didn't have any faith. It was sheer mercy. When water came out of rock, it had nothing to do with their faith. It was sheer mercy. When they were all went out in physical health out of Egypt, that had nothing to do with their faith. That was sheer mercy. It was just the mercy of God. God says, his opinion of Old Testament Israel is there's no faith in them. Now God had blessed them with privileges, experiences, blessed them with provisions for which they did not believe for, but they received them simply by God's sheer mercy and sheer grace. But in spite of everything that God did for them, God says in the end result, they have no faith. They don't live by faith. They don't walk by faith. How do we know? Well, because instead of faith, the generation, they went through all the outward motions. But their lives was given over to murmuring and complaining and secretly carrying the gods of Egypt in their hearts. And often they said, we'd rather go back to Egypt and deal with this wilderness stuff. God's opinion was no faith 
in these people. But Israel, Old Testament Israel, never admitted they had a lack of faith. Instead, she faked it. Because all the time they never had faith, the tabernacle services never ceased. When they had no faith, the sacrifices were never discontinued. Even though they had no faith, they dutifully observed all the feast days. Though they had no faith, they still followed the cloud in the wilderness. This was the generation, Hebrews 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, they did not enter because of unbelief. And yet there was no shortage of miracles. But it did not translate into faith. So, if faith can be faked, we go through the motions. Go through all the activities of church life. We don't want to fake faith. What is true faith? Well, it's a firm persuasion. Faith is a, let me put it this way, it's a supernatural conviction based upon hearing God. When you hear God speak, it produces a light. I don't know how what words to say. You've got a light going on on the inside of you. There's a glory that's imparted into your inner man. There's a brightness that happens in the inside of your soul. There's an excellency that somehow begins to fill your inner man. When you hear the voice of God, we can, give, we can imitate all the outward motions. We could even give mental assent. But nobody can fake revelation taking place inside your heart. Faith comes when you hear God speak. It's automatically birthed in you by hearing the voice of God. You don't have to create it. It's just there when you hear God speak. Faith is always active. It produces things. Faith saves. Faith Faith heals. Faith cleanses. Faith can reach into the unseen realm and bring evidence of the unseen realm into your soul. Faith is never passive in the Bible. It's always active. When faith is released, listen to some of the things that happen. Fig tree will dry up from its roots. When faith is active, bread and fish are multiplied. When faith is active, blind eyes are open. Are open. When faith is active, demons are cast out. When faith is active, even the dead get raised. The faith of Jesus was potent and it was productive. But listen carefully. Jesus never, never, never did anything on his own initiative. Never. He didn't say, well, there's a person I think I should pray for. He did not do that. His testimony in the Gospel of John is, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say, and never once in all the ministry of Jesus that he ever ministered to anybody because he thought it was a good idea. Never once did he ever do that. His habit was early morning prayer. His habit was getting alone. His habit was in fellowship with God. And his habit was hearing the voice of his father. Because never, never once did he ever initiate any healing on his own. Anything of that nature. He always only did what he heard the father say. And that's why Jesus could do that. It's because he heard his father speak before he acted. 
You follow what I'm saying? And that's how faith is going to work for us. It's not, alright, oh, there's someone we should be praying for, or I think I'll go minister to that person, or I think I'll start a church over here, or I think I'll do this. If you haven't heard God speak first, it's pure presumption. And Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. So, his faith was rooted in God, and it was released towards people. When Jesus spoke, storms on the sea were calmed. Water would turn into wine. Listen to this one. He would even ride an untrained donkey into a parade of shouting people. You try that. Untrained donkey into a parade of shouting people. He only did what he heard his father say. There are times when Jesus would heal everybody in a village. And everybody would be healed. 100% everybody. And there are times he walked past people who were blind. And he walked past people who were maimed. And he did not minister to them. When he went to the pool of Bethesda, he didn't raise everybody there, only one person. He only did what he heard the Father do. So why do we fake faith? All the correct words, all the religious ritual will never produce faith. Mental assent, emotional stirrings, and misdirected zeal can never be turned into faith, no matter how strong those feelings are. Now, the tragedy with all of this, there's no need to fake it. There's no need to fake faith. Why? Because it's abundantly available. Why? Because God's always talking. God is always speaking. He is the God who speaks. You see, we have to have this relationship with God. We have to know the Holy Spirit. Because so often in, in uh, traditional or Protestant type of churches, they have a funny trinity. They are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Book. Now, it is a holy book. And it records what God has said. And God will often use the scripture to be the vehicle of his speaking. But following a book will never substitute for hearing the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's God, the Holy Spirit. There's no need to fake anything. Why? Because God is a speaking God. Amen. He's a speaking God. In the book of Hebrews, which I'm reading through at length at the moment, God is speaking today if you will hear His voice. The Word of God is quick and is powerful. You know, in times past, God has spoken, but now He is speaking in His Son. He is the God who speaks. He's the God who speaks. He's the God who speaks. And we must learn to have a relationship with God that we hear Him speak to us. Amen. So that means maybe we need to get in our prayer closets. Maybe we need to shut ourselves off from distractions. Maybe we need to have some discipline about getting alone with God and letting Him speak. There's no need to fake it. God is quite willing to speak.
Faith is birthed in us when we hear God speak. When, when, the, when you're God hear, you hear God, there's something that is birthed on the inner man, on the inside of you. I, I don't know, have you ever had the experience? I've had the experience when I, I've sensed the presence of God and I sense faith coming into me. And the only way I can describe it is there's a man on the inside of you that wants to stand up. He doesn't want to sit down anymore. He wants to stand up. Have you ever had that experience of a witness of God that makes your inner man just want to stand up? You know, sometimes I've sensed it so strong, I wondered if I'm not actually lifting off the floor at times. That gift of faith rises on the inside. There's only a lack of faith when we are deficient in hearing the voice of God. So, a lot of times we are content People are content, churches are content, traditions are content just to go through the motions without actually hearing the voice of God. Old Testament Israel, God said they're faking it. It's hearing the voice of God. Faith is provided. I'm trying to come up with some illustrations to understand how this, this thing called faith works. Because faith is the normal atmosphere of heaven. Uh, let me use this illustration. Think of faith as electricity. How many are glad you have electricity in your house? Anybody glad? You can just flick the switch and the light comes on. Are you glad for that? I mean, does your house produce electricity? Do you produce it in your house? No, all you do is you receive it and you consume it. You don't produce it. You can only receive it and you can, then you consume it. The generator that produces electricity doesn't consume it, but the generator transmits it. Amen. God doesn't use faith. In spite of some of the teaching out there, God does not use faith. He doesn't need to. He just speaks and it happens. God's not saying, well, if I can just believe in the word that I'm speaking. God's, no, God, faith isn't higher than God. If, if God had to live by faith, then I guess faith is greater than God because it's a law that even to God is bound to. It makes no sense to me. Um, faith is like electricity. Your house doesn't produce it, but your house receives it and your house consumes it. The generator that produces that electricity doesn't consume it, but only transmits it. God inspires faith, and he imparts it to whoever hears his voice. We learn faith, we receive faith not to learn how to produce it. That's not our job. We can't produce it. But we learn how to receive it and how to release it. Does that make sense? How to receive it and then how to release it. So if you're trying to manufacture faith, instead of hearing God, we do all sorts of things. Sometimes we have all-night prayer meetings. Sometimes we have long seasons of fasting. Or all sorts of confessions that we make in order to try to generate and produce faith. None of these things will produce faith. Sometimes they will release faith after you've received it, but they can't produce it. The generator creates it. We can only receive it and release it. 
You have to remember what we said last week about faith. It comes to you. Faith is obtained, is not attained. Faith is a fruit. Faith is a gift. Faith is dealt to every man. Faith is offered to us. All those words about faith, not one of them gives a hint that we can manufacture it by anything we do. We can only receive it, just like in your home, you don't produce electricity, all you do is receive it. You receive it and consume it. You and I cannot produce faith, we can only receive it and release it. We need to grasp that. In the scriptures, we're told in places in scripture, like you're to put on mercy, put on humility, put on long-suffering. And put on love, etc., etc., etc. But there's one thing that the New Testament does not tell you to put on. You know what you cannot put on? Faith. You can't put it on. You can't create it. It cannot be done. It's not simply not something we can do. Faith is not an addition to our lives. But what faith is, is the energy of God released in us. After we hear God speak to us. So, no amount of intellectual knowledge of the Bible will create faith. No amount of memorization of scripture will create faith. Now, that doesn't mean those things are not important. I'm a teacher. And of course those things are important. But they're not going to create faith. Faith is created when the living word emanating from the presence of God is birthed into my heart and into my spirit. That's how faith is created. And that's when the atmosphere of heaven will become the atmosphere of my soul. It's all dependent upon hearing God speak. Forgive me for the repetition, but God's part is to speak. Our part is to hear. So if our part is to hear, then let me ask you this question. What does it mean to hear? What does it mean to listen, to hear? Well, let's just imagine your very, very wealthy billionaire uncle has just passed away. And the will is being read. And the family has been gathered together. Would you please tell me how you plan on listening? How do you plan on listening? Because what you're about to hear will affect the rest of your life. Is that not correct? What you are about to hear is going to affect the rest of your life. That's why you're all so attentive every time I preach. (laughs) Because we want to hear. Because we want our lives to be changed. Or let's imagine you've been accused of a crime. Let's just imagine you've gone to court. And let's just imagine you've been found guilty. But there's all sorts of circumstances involved in this. And the judge has got to listen to all the evidence and you're guilty. And he's got to take in, before he passes sentence, he's got to take everything into consideration. Now, just before he's about to pass sentence, you are the accused. Would you please tell me how you're going to listen? Because what that man says is going to affect the rest of your life. What does it mean to hear God? 
What does it mean to listen? We've got to listen with our head. We've got to listen with our heart. You've got to listen with your emotions. You've got to listen with everything within you. You've got to strain yourself because you realize that everything that judge says is going to affect the rest of your life and you don't want to get wrong what he said. When that will is being read, you want to hear everything that's related to you, don't you? Because you don't want to miss it. How do we come to the Word of God? In our private time, how do we read our Bible? When we're in times of prayer, and when you're on a walk and just you and God are talking, how much are we straining to hear the Lord speak? Our part is to listen. God's part is to speak. It's not careless listening. It's all God has asked us to do is listen. A lack of faith is simply due to the lack of hearing God speak. God provides supernatural faith for us. It's available without a price tag. It's available without the expenditure of great energy. And it's free to anybody who listens. Once you've heard God, once God's voice takes possession of your heart, it produces a convictive persuasion that overcomes all carnal reasonings, it overcomes prejudices, and it overcomes excuses. Once you hear God and it and registers in your soul, you become bold against discouragements. You laugh at difficulties. You laugh at difficulties. You resist the devil and you triumph over temptations. Once the voice of God takes hold and registers in your soul, it shuts your natural eyes to everything that you can see and it opens your ears to everything that God has said. Read Hebrews chapter 11 and look at these men and women who laughed at their difficulties, who worshipped, who left home and family to move somewhere else, who left faced all kinds of difficulties. It didn't matter if you're 90 years old, you're going to have a kid. You know, by faith, the point is hearing God speak. That's all it takes. Real faith comes as a result of hearing God speak. But sometimes we have lifestyles where we don't take time to hear God speak we haven't learned the discipline of listening to the Holy Spirit. And yet we carry through church, all the motions of church anyway, but somewhere along the line, we haven't taken the time to listen to God speak to us. There's no need to fake anything. It's hearing God speak. Faith is not a muscle that the more I use it, the bigger the muscle gets. It's been presented that way, but that's not correct. Faith is not a muscle that gets, the more you use it, the stronger that it is. There's been much teaching in the name of called seed faith that has given this terribly wrong impression. 
The idea in Scripture is not a seed can grow and enlarge itself. When Jesus talks about your faith as a grain of mustard seed, the concept he's giving is the smallest word from God can move mountains. That's all it is. If it's a word from the Lord, one word is all it takes. And mountains move. It's not that that seed, you can develop it and grow it into a big tree. No, no. That's not what he's saying. Just one simple word from God is all that is needed to move mountains. Faith comes by hearing, not by planting a seed. Faith comes by hearing, not by planting a seed. You and I cannot plant and produce a harvest of faith any more than we can plant and produce a harvest of omnipotence. Can't do it. There's only one time in the King James Bible anyway where it says your faith grows. And that's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. The Greek word there has nothing to do with a growing from a seed into a tree. All it means is this, is you are increasing in your relationship with God. That's all the word means. It means your, your relationship with God is developing and it's obvious that your relationship with God is developing. Everybody could see it. Your faith is growing. Now here's an interesting thing that we need to understand about faith. And to get this picture, what I need to do is liken it to a magnet. How many know that in science class in school, there's two types of magnets? Is that correct? Am I right? Any science? There's two types of magnets out there. There is a permanent magnet... And there is an electric magnet. Okay? A permanent magnet and an electric magnet. Faith is not like the permanent magnet. What's a permanent magnet? Anybody have those things you stick on your fridge door to keep your notes on? That's a permanent magnet. You don't have to energize it for it to work. It's just always magnetic. But then there's electric magnets that produces a magnetic field only when there's current flowing through it. Correct? And if the current's not flowing through it, what happens to the magnetic field? It dies. It just goes away. The faith that you and I have is not the permanent magnet. It's like the electric magnet. In other words, after God speaks to you, you, faith does not regenerate itself inside your human heart. If you get disconnected from your source, you know what happens to your faith? It goes. And if you want faith again, you have to connect back to your source. Faith is only active in you as long as you are connected with your source. Faith that is unused, if God speaks to you, and you know God tells you to do something and you sit on it for a week before you act on it, you know what's going to happen to that faith? It will be gone. You can't retain it. You cannot keep it. It dissipates. It's just gone. We're not permanent magnets when it comes to faith. We're electric magnets when it comes to faith. You can't store it up. 
If God gives you faith to pray for somebody and they get out of a wheelchair because God gave you that gift and God spoke that to you and you can do that and say it in the name of Jesus and you see it happen and then you say, well, I'm going to do it for that person as well. I'm sorry, you released your faith. If you want to do it for that person, you better get reconnected to your source and hear God again. You just can't. It's not permanent. Once you release it, it's gone. Follow what I'm saying? Once you release it to do what God has asked you to do, it's gone. Or if you sit without using that faith, it dissipates and it disappears. And so you need to continually hear God because you can't store it up. Faith has to be constantly replenished in our hearts and in our lives. So let me just finish with a final illustration about faith. I, think, I want you to think of a tree. Faith is not, N-O-T, it is not like the roots of a tree. Faith is not like the roots that hold up the trunk of the tree or the limbs of the tree. Faith is not the roots. Faith is the nourishment that the roots drink up. Faith is the nourishment, it's the life that it receives from the soil And the roots drink up the nourishment and it produces life and it produces energy that then flows through the entire structure. What faith does is it draws the nourishment from God's word. God speaks. What faith does is it takes the nourishment and it releases life inside of you. It energizes it in you. It converts it into useful energy, transports into every area of your life, and then you release it for the purpose in which God has given it. And once you release it, it's gone. Don't try it tomorrow, because tomorrow you need to hear God again. We're not permanent magnets. We're electric magnets when it comes to the subject of faith. In other words, if we're going to move forward in faith, what we need is relationship with the speaking God with listening ears. A relationship with the speaking God and we have listening ears. There's no need to fake anything. It's abundantly Available. We just need to hear. And that's how our faith is going to grow. Simply by staying connected to the source. Staying connected to the God who speaks and speaks and speaks. He is a speaking God. That's how you become full of faith. That's how you become strong in faith. That's how you become steadfast in faith. So the moral of the story is let us draw nigh to God every day of our lives to hear God speak. It's His church. He directs it as He sees fit. We don't come up with plans and say, God, now bless our plans. That's not how it works. What we do is we wait on God and say, what are your plans? What is your will? What do you want to do? What about this person? What about that situation? And without presuming that we know anything to do about those things, we go to God and say, what about it? And we hear His voice. And we hear His voice like the electric magnet 
then we can respond. But if you just leave it, it'll dissipate, and once you release it, it's gone, and you need to hear God again for the next thing. It's a constant relationship with the speaking God. And that's how biblical faith works. Let's have relationship with a speaking God. Amen.